0: Good morning church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks and welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I'm so happy that you're here today and I believe that God has a timely prophetic word for you and I want to share that word with you today. Praise God. Let's take our Bibles first of all and go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I would like to read one verse to you, and I'm here to build your faith to receive the provision that God has prepared for you. So I want to put a prosperity faith scripture into your heart today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now, God will always give seed to a sower. It is possible for a believer to say, I don't have anything to sow. That would perhaps give us insight into a condition that if they don't have anything to sow, maybe they're not a sower. Ah, but, my friends, if you are a sower, God will always give you the seed. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower. We understand that with a portion of our seed, let's think from an agricultural perspective, if you reap the harvest, then you're going to take... That harvest, and some of it you're going to eat, okay? So you eat some of the seed, but you don't eat all of the seed, because if you eat all of the seed, you're not going to have a harvest next year. So you have to take some of the harvest aside, and you're going to use that to sow in the next season. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower. So one of the problems with some of God's people, is that they, they eat all of their seed and they fail to recognize that a portion of that is designed by God to be used as seed, not as food. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, yes, God will also give you the bread that you need for food. It says that he will supply, okay, that's wonderful, and multiply the seed. You have sown. So God will give you the seed, but you have to sow it in order for him to multiply it because God always needs something to work with, whether it's Jesus working with the disciples where the 5,000 were fed. He had the five loaves and the two little uh, fish, but at least Jesus had something to work with and something to multiply because zero times zero is zero. So we have to give the Lord something to work with. That's what we're going to do. So he will supply the seed. He will multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. And of course, you're giving and then your harvest multiplied back, it just increases righteousness all throughout the body of Christ because now you are empowered to do more than what you could previously before your harvest came in. And the reason you have a harvest is because you have sown seed. Now, we're going to receive the tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of God. And as we do that, I want you to believe that God will give you seed to sow. We're coming up on Pentecost, which is May 31st, and I am praying that God will give you miracle seed to sow, and that as he puts the seed into your hand, that you'll recognize that when it's seed, that's for sowing, then it's not seed for eating. I remember one time when I had a significant seed, and I thought it was My harvest but I could never make it fit for the harvest because it just wasn't enough and it was frustrating yes I could do some things with it uh, some really good stuff with it but I couldn't really do with it what I needed to do and I remember one day when I was contemplating about the seed that I had and it took me it took me over a year to save it and it was in the thousands of dollars and I thought, wow, I could do these things, you know, with uh, the media ministry and things like that, but I still realized it's not, it's not enough. And as I was sitting on the couch, I literally heard the Holy Spirit speak to me and the Holy Spirit said, what you hold in your hand is not your harvest. Therefore, it is your seed and I knew by that statement that he wanted me to sow that seed, which, a, which to me was a significant seed. It was all that I had saved, but I sowed it. And because of that, God has continually brought back the most amazing harvest and the most remarkable favor for The things that he has done for us, and even, I believe, there's still harvest coming in on that seed. Praise the Lord. But the thing is, is that he will supply seed to the sower. And I'm praying that God would give you seed so that as we come to Pentecost, you have a special seed to sow on May 31st. Now, if you would like to sow it before then because you already have it, that's wonderful. What we're going to do with the Pentecost seed is we're going to use it, we're going to uh, gather it all together, and we're going to use it wisely, prayerfully, to purchase airtime so that the Pure Gold program can be broadcast. To As many people as possible so right now our ministry team we are reviewing the various rates on various networks and uh, Christian television stations and uh, you know these various networks all all over America we want to be very competitive we want to we want to use the Lord's provision for the best efficiency that we can get out of it. Praise God. And we are believing for favor. We are believing for really good deals. And we are certainly those who negotiate for the best deal possible. So your Pentecostal seed will be used to purchase airtime for our half hour pure gold television program. And I'm believing that God will give you the seed to sow. And as you sow it, God will multiply what you sow. And this, this is one of the things the Lord is going to do for you. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. The Apostle Paul said, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive my wife and I we love giving we are very dedicated tithers and we are very gracious givers and because of that the Lord has blessed us greatly my friends it is a better position to be the giver what God's going to do for you. He's going to move you into that position where you are giving minded. Now, yes, we are going to be good receivers. This ministry is a good receiving ministry, but this ministry also gives. We do a lot to bless people. Praise the Lord. And we reach out, and we do things for the poor, and we do all that we can to put the gospel out so that people can receive eternal life and so that the church can be built up. But my friends, I want you to understand that if we were only receivers, if we were only receivers, we would never know the greater joy of being the giver. Oh, praise God. I believe that. If a person only stays on the level of receiving, in other words, I've got another need, I've got another need, I've got another need, then they lock themselves out of the greater plateau of blessing that belongs to the giver. Now, the giver also, because they are giving You know what? They are entitled to harvest because they are sowing seed. What's going to happen? Another harvest is going to come in. But if you just receive, 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 and you never give, then, my friends, you don't know the full power that God works with through the spiritual law of seed time and harvest. Because you only come into that through sowing seed or, as Apostle Paul talked about, giving. And he talked about giving and receiving. But it's cyclical. We have to be tied into both. And if you're only a receiver, then you do not know the full power of that spiritual law. So we want to be very, very strong givers. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So I pray that when we step into this Pentecost moment, that you realize the power of the blessing of giving and that you have that strength to give. You have that seed to sow and that you honor the Lord and that we all share in the harvest of lives touched around the world together. We will all share in the eternal rewards that are generated through the lives touched through the half hour television program praise the Lord. Thank you for standing with me as we launch out into the deep and as we let down our nets for a very, very significant catch. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So thank you for that. Now, let's obey the Lord. And as you give today, be mindful, God's going to give you the seed to sow. And in your heart, just tell the Lord, Lord, if you give me the seed, I'm going to sow it. Praise God. Watch what he's going to do. He's going to give you the seed. Now, some of you, you may already have it. Others, you may think, well, Pastor Stephen, I can pull it together. I've got a few weeks. Okay? And others, you're also going to see God's extra provision come in to be sown as a seed so obey the holy spirit watch what god is going to do heavenly father i thank you for everybody watching today that's bringing in the tithes and offerings into the storehouse father i pray that you give them seed to sow thank you father god that they stand on the greater platform of blessing which is the platform of that of the giver Of the sower. Father, we give you praise that they are generating harvest after harvest that will come back into their lives as waves of blessing. And Father, we thank you. We remind you of your word that said, You will multiply the seed that is sown. So, Father, we give you praise. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Bless all of their seed. Thank you, Father. And we thank you for the soon coming harvest in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, if you're going to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. If you prefer to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings. You can click on that and bring them directly into the ministry storehouse. On your giving, make a little notation. If it's a special offering for the Pentecost seed, for the airtime purchase, of of time on the networks, make a special note and just put Pentecost seed. Woo, praise the Lord. We will note that what that is for, and then we can designate it for that special purpose. Thank you again for standing with us as we are launching out into the deep. Hallelujah. Now let's take our Bibles today and go over to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter six. And I want to talk with you today about your ship is about to sail. Woo! Praise the Lord. God's plan for your life, the unfolding of your destiny is about to take place, and I need to get you ready for it because your ship is about to sail. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would breathe upon the Scriptures fresh anointing. And we thank you, Father, that as we come into Pentecost, there will be the release of a new anointing, a new empowerment upon the life of your people. And we must get ready for that. Father, we ask for any last-minute preparations before the ship heads out of the harbor, we pray, Father God, that everything be in order, and any last-minute preparations, any last-few-day preparations, everything be tied up, and everything be put in its proper place. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your help. In Jesus' name, we all pray and agree and say, Amen. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. And so many of you have been doing that for so long. You've been tithing. And when we have these special projects like the one we have coming up on Pentecost, which is for the purchase of airtime for television, you uh, throughout uh, the years, you have, you have sown seed, praise the Lord. And here it says, let us not grow weary while doing good. And you've done good. Some of you for years and years and years. And it says, for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And I know, because I pray for you. I know that so many of you, you have not lost heart. You are waiting on your due season. I am standing behind this pulpit today, speaking to you through the lens of that camera. Streaming this to you, and I am here to tell you today that you are rapidly, rapidly approaching your due season. I'm not talking about years away. I'm talking just weeks. You are weeks out from the launch of your ship of destiny. You are going to sail out of the harbor. Everything up until this point in your life, although you may have had some high water marks, I must admit to you that everything thus far has only been preparation to get you ready for what is about to happen you are about to sail out of the harbor into the fullness of the plan that God has for your life you are now moving into what the Bible calls due season and it's in your due season that you reap and I believe that the seeds that you've sown some of the seeds that you have sown months ago other seeds that have been sown years ago See, here's the thing with God. Those are going to come in as a harvest. But God, he's very different from what we would look at as a worldly employer. And you go to work, and if you are employed for a corporation or a company, maybe you get paid the traditional Every other week. So you get paid once a week. And you know you look forward to when that time comes. Because everybody enjoys payday. Maybe you have something that's a little bit different. Maybe you get paid once every month. Or maybe you're just strictly on sales and commission. And maybe you get paid on a day-by-day basis. Depending on how many sales you closed out. And the commission that would come out of that. But regardless, it's different with the Lord. The Lord does not settle up. Every two weeks. Sometimes I wish you did. (laughs) It would be kind of like, oh, this is nice. Uh, It would be very consistent. But at the same time, it wouldn't require any faith because it's just consistent. It's over and over. But with the Lord, you have to stay on the journey with him because what will happen is that it may not come once a day. Or once every two weeks. It may not come once a month. It may not it may only come by once, like every, you know, four and a half years, maybe once every ten years or something like that. But here's the thing: God, if you hang in there, He'll always settle up with you. Woo! there's nobody that's going to go to heaven that's going to stand before the Lord on the day of judgment and be able to tell the Lord Lord you never brought it into me you never brought it back uh, there could be various reasons perhaps if, if it never happened one of those could be the greatest one be, would be they just lost heart they just gave up and said God it's taking too long I'm, I'm not really into this anymore I, I tried to apply your word to my life but wasn't quite working as fast as I wanted it to so Lord I'm dismissing your agenda and i I'm just going to take it on my own from here. And because of that, they boycott the destiny that the Lord had for them because of impatience. But I believe, I believe that so many of you have stood faithful and you have not lost heart. You have not become faint and given up. You have hung in there. Oh, not that you didn't have some discouraging times. Not that there were moments of temptation when you thought uh, through temptation about, well, you know, is this really working for me? But you stayed in there because you knew that God's word cannot be broken that it is covenant based and it is impossible for God to lie so you've hung around and you've kept on tithing and you've kept on sowing and you're endeavoring to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord and you're still you're still in the game and you know what because you have stayed on it you are rapidly approaching your due season and you are going to see your harvest come in. And as the harvest comes in, you will be empowered to begin to implement the things that he has called you to do. It is going to be glorious. And this is your hour. This is your moment of lifting up, not in your own strength. This is God lifting you up. This is your moment where your ship begins to sail out of the harbor, and your destiny begins to be fulfilled right before your eyes. This is like Joseph coming out of prison. Woo! Praise the Lord. This is like Moses coming out of the backwoods of the wilderness, stepping into the assignment. Your time is rapidly approaching. Now, this is what I need to share with you. Between now and Pentecost, you only have three weeks of preparation, I see in the spirit that around the Pentecost moment, there will be release. There will be new anointing. There will be uplifting uh, of your life through the power of the Lord, your destiny released. So you need to get ready because your ship is about to sail. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me say it like this. If you are on a ship and you leave the Atlantic coast, let's take North Carolina, Wilmington, which is a very well-known port on the eastern seaboard. Let's say you sail out in uh, like a wind, a uh, a sailed yacht, not a motor yacht that's got a motor, although that could cause some problems too. But you just sail out from Wilmington and you're going to go all the way to, um, let's go to Germany. Uh, what's that beautiful port there in Germany? It's coming to me. Um, Hamburg. I've been there. It's a very beautiful shipping port. And the Queen Mary sails into there. Okay, so you're going to go from Wilmington, North Carolina, all the way to Hamburg, Germany, and you have to cross the big Atlantic Ocean. My friends, you don't want to run into problems when you're out in the middle of nowhere and it's 800 or 1,000 miles to land from any direction. Well, technically, we could say that land is a lot closer. Uh, It reminds me of the story, true story, of the Admiral. You know, they're on the big uh, uh, aircraft carrier out in the middle of the ocean, and he stops. And he says, men, you know, announces over the loudspeaker, men, women, uh, we are ahead of schedule of where we're going. And the weather's perfect. There's hardly any waves. The sun is out. Uh, we're out in the middle of the ocean, but we're making such good timing that I'm going to stop the, the ship. And if you want to go swimming, <laughs> you can go swimming. So they put a couple of uh, snipers on, you know, in positions uh, with their guns in case there's any sharks that show up. They could potentially shoot the sharks. Not that I would trust that. I don't, I don't think swimming in the ocean, in the middle of the ocean, is a good idea. Because the sharps, they can detect all that splashing and all of that water noise. And they're very curious about things like that. Nevertheless, the admiral said, uh, if you want to go swimming, you can't. So he let the ladders down, but the ladders are only for climbing back up. Uh, If you want to dive off, you can dive off. And, you know, it's it's a long ways up. Jump feet first if you want. Well, quite a few people did. And they went out there and they were swimming. And, uh, you know, of course, the general said, now, or, or the Admiral, he said, now, if, you, if you're if you going to swim, you really want to do this, just remember, you're only five miles away from land, uh, but that's straight down, okay? So you can comb over to the ladder, climb back up if you want to, but technically, you don't want to run into these problems where something goes wrong, something breaks down, and you're out in the middle of nowhere. In other words, you've already launched things that should have been taken care of beforehand maybe they were neglected and now you're in a place where everything is you know supposed to be moving forward and everything was working right but suddenly suddenly uh, the motor quit or now we have all kinds of problems with the sales we never got that figured out before we launched and now and now we've got a problem and we're out of range of help. my friends get it all ready again you're just you're just a few weeks before Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is scanning through your life He's working with you in your prayer time. He's saying, look, these things have been like this in your life. And up until this point, the grace of God has been very, very patient. But now you must quickly remedy certain situations that are not the way they should be. Why? Your ship's about to sail. And later on, it's not the time to deal with it. You need to get it all cleared up and cleaned up right now. Can you say praise the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. For example, you may be in a position where you've just allowed yourself to get sloppy with the way you talk, and you may be taught negative words, and you say things that are negative. I turned on a Christian television channel just a couple days ago, and there was a lady on there teaching, and she said, "Woo!" she said, I'll tell you one thing. If you ever have to take your kids to the, uh, to the dentist, and I did, and she said, I've got six kids. I took them to the dentist, and she said, "Whoa, that ate my lunch. Whoo. And I, I just thought, you know, that's not a good thing to be saying. You're basically enforcing through your speech an acceptance of lack. You know what? If, if, if you don't have enough money or you wish you had more, then don't speak negative about it. Just speak that somehow, by God's grace, we're going to find a way to get all of these children, to get all of their braces and all their teeth cleaned and taken care of. I mean, if you could only do it one at a time, start at the oldest and work your way down. <laughs> but don't just say, Whoo, that ain't my lunch. Whoa, after that, I was so broke, I didn't know what to do. No, that, that's negative talk. And maybe, maybe at a certain point, the Lord's very patient with things like that and you know the, the lady that, that made that statement uh, this was not like uh, her show was being shown around the world it was like a small little regional network or something like that but you know what you go before the world and say like that and you go before many believers who are well educated in the word and they'll think you know Why would I support that when you're so negative and you're actually expecting defeat? You're actually expecting to go under. Well, if that's your expectancy, we'll just let you go ahead and sink, (laughs) you know. Uh, But when you show good leadership qualities, that reflects in the right way. But leadership never displays fear. No, you have to be strong in faith and dispel fear. Woo, so that people can walk in peace. You you certainly don't want to push fear on people and start talking failure and defeat. Praise God. So at certain levels, you can make mistakes. At certain levels, you can do things wrong and get away with it. But as God begins to lift you, lift you, lift you, you can't do that anymore. And when I started in ministry, I spoke in many, many small churches. And as the Lord saw that I was faithful, he began to open larger churches and larger churches. And I've spoken in churches of thousands and thousands of people. And, you know, I've done, done a lot of television on major networks and things like that. But my friends, in the small places, you can you can say some things or you could maybe get some things wrong that you're like, oh, I'm glad that wasn't on camera. <laughs> but you know what, as you go on, you you have to you have to tighten those areas up and i see that that's what the lord is doing between now and pentecost get certain things straightened out and you have to work very very quickly you have to get everything ready on the ship because the ship is sailing out because due season is determined by the lord due season while we have to sow Due season is determined by the Lord, and when it comes in, you have to be prepared for it, and you have to be ready to move with it. Praise God. Now, let's go to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. If you have run with the footmen, and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with the horses? In other words, if you are at this certain You're moving along at a certain level, and it's a low level, but it's the only level that you know, and it's wearing you out, then how can you go to another level that's a lot faster? Well, I'll just adjust. No, it takes more than an adjustment. You have to prepare for you get there so that you can transition into that properly because even moving up to it, even with preparation, it's going to take your best effort to adequately Begin to move into that new realm, and that's what God's going to do for you. What's the difference between college football and the NFL, professional football? What's the difference? It's the same game, same number of players on the field, same number of coaches over on the sidelines. Uh, you know, got people in the stands. What's what's the difference? It's very it's very simple. The difference is that in the pro level, everything happens at a much faster level and so you have to think quicker you have to anticipate faster everything goes quicker you could watch high school basketball on television and you could think it's entertaining and it is but if you watch professional basketball on television it's just a totally faster level everything is moving quicker everything is moving smoother and it's it's just like a game of chess that's operating a whole lot quicker that's what God's going to do it says, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with the horses? In other words, the Lord is speaking to his prophet Jeremiah, and he's saying, I've got to get you to shift into this higher level because that's what you need to do to be effective, to step into all that I've planned for you to do well, Pastor Stephen, I'm just kind of comfortable in this little area, and I understand that, and comfort is a great blessing, but God's going to have, He's going to have you stretch to make full application of your talents, your anointing, and your strength to move into this next plateau of blessing that He's taking you into, and you have to get ready for it, because it's going to be on a faster level. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, what happens is that if you don't make this adjustment, if you don't move into this place where you can run with the horses, when that's where you're going, what will, what will take place is that you'll realize you can't do things the way that you used to do them, and you're going to get behind. And I would call it, in my own expression, I call it, don't get behind the eight ball." Okay, now that comes from a statement that was kind of termed back in the 1920s, 1930s, relating to pool or billiards. And it basically meant that if you're that white cue ball, you never want to be in a place behind the eight ball where you're kind of like, you have hardly any room to maneuver And, you know, the last thing you want to do is knock the eight ball into the you know, one of the pockets, then you lose automatically. In other words, you've got yourself into a very, very difficult position to maneuver and you don't want to get behind the eight ball. What that means is that if you do get behind the eight ball, what that means is that you have somehow allowed your walk with the Lord to slip and now. Now, although you may not want it, but like it or not, now your flesh is leading you and not your spirit. And you've gotten behind the eight ball. And now you're behaving in ways that are out of character for who you really are in the Lord. Now you get flustered when normally you would be, you would be cool and, and calm and have strong composure. But now you're just like flying off the handle. And maybe there was a time in your life you could do that. But where God's taking you, you can't do that anymore. You must begin the shift because it's going to be time to run with the horses, and your ship is now about to sail out of the harbor, and you can't get behind the eight ball anymore. Mm -mm. You're going to have to be walking with the Lord, leaning on the Lord in a very consistent basis. The Lord is determined to make out of you one who is spiritual. The Lord is determined to make a saint out of you, no. That doesn't mean that you start wearing a brown robe and maybe that you move into a remote island and establish a monastery. Whether you live in the city, whether you live in the country, or whether you live on an island on a remote monastery, God still wants to work in you and have you lean on Him and trust Him and walk with Him in a way where He actually develops you into sainthood, not just a technical spiritual place that you are because of who you are in him, but actually where it's worked out and reflected in your life of walking and living in a saintly nature. Woo. Praise God. Well, pastor Stephen, what happens if uh, I am behind the eight ball right now? How, how do I get out of it? Good question. I would say immediately if you're in that place, where well, your flesh is kind of out of control. And, and the flesh will, if the flesh leads, it will always go out of control. If you're in a place where your flesh has taken the lead, you need to start praying in tongues as fast as you can. Just get alone and start praying in the Spirit. And do that for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever you can do to start getting out of the flesh and getting back into a place where your spirit is dominant. mm mm the stakes are going to become higher than they ever have before. Praise God. You're going to have to pick up the pace, but it is going to be worth it because the, war, the rewards of God's blessings and the approaching glory are going to far outweigh any difficulties that you must overcome and any sacrifices that you must make. Praise the Lord today. The stakes are getting high. The stakes are getting high. Heaven is watching you. Heaven is watching you. You've got to get this right. You can't just sail out of the harbor and then, you know, go out there and then fall apart once you're out there. No, God has designed the ship. You have equipped the ship. You're gonna sell out and you're gonna reach the other side. You're gonna complete your journey. You will fulfill your assignment. You know, Pastor Benny Hinn recently shared a very private and personal encounter that he had with the Lord. And uh, just a couple of years ago, he had gotten sick, and he came back from, a, from an international ministry trip. I think he was in Brazil, down in South America. He comes back, and his lungs were filling up with fluid, and they rush him to the hospital back here in America, And the case was so severe that the doctor said if we had not gotten to this within, you know, right now, if you'd have gotten here tomorrow, you wouldn't have even lived. So the thing that the fact that you got checked into the hospital and we could directly address this is the thing that saved your life. Well, it was still so critical, so urgent. They actually kept him in ICU intensive care unit for two weeks so that he could heal back up and they could get him taken care of. And of course, he's alive today. Praise the Lord! But he said, after he came out of that experience, you know, sometimes these experiences, particularly where you're you like you're on your back and you you have forced downtime, a lot of times those can be uh, wake up moment type experiences with the Lord. And he said he came out of that uh, in a way, having reevaluated his ministry. His ministry. So he's out of that experience. He's healing up, and he said about two or three months after that, he had a very vivid dream in which he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus, and in this dream, he saw himself standing in line. There were other ministers in the line, and they were all waiting one by one to get into heaven, and he said he was about halfway in the line. There were some people behind him and ministers in front of him, and this was a line of ministers. And up ahead, he could see the gate that would go into heaven, and it looked like it was covered with diamonds, and he could see the Lord Jesus sitting over on the side, and over on the other side of the gate, there was a lady, a redeemed saint, who had lived on the earth. She was a very well-known organist. Well, she's in heaven, and she's up there on the organ, and she's going to play whatever the Lord would desire for her to play. Now, Many hints that he watched as one of the ministers stepped forward in the line. It was his turn next. And the Lord looked at the minister, and the Lord looked at the lady on the organ, and he nodded to her, yes. In other words, he's good. And the door, the gate in the heaven opened, and she began to play the most beautiful crescendo, this beautiful song, like a welcome home type song that ushered him in to his reward there in heaven. And then once he went through the gate, the gate closed behind him, and then the next person would come up. And then the Lord would look at the person, and then he would nod yes, and then she would play another crescendo, just designed just for him, and then he would go through, the door would close. Well, Pastor Benny Hint said that another minister was, you know, eventually in line, and the Lord looked at him and shook his head no. And the lady on the organ began playing a very terrifying sound of disaster and horror and two large men with white robes that were angels came and took that man out of the line who was a preacher took him out of the line and the terror that hit that man when he saw that he was rejected by Jesus was Benny Hinn said it was unforgettable you know there are preachers today that say that there is no such thing as hell, that there is no hell, that everybody's going to make it to heaven, even Hitler, even Stalin, even Mussolini, even the most hateful people, the most evil people, that one day they're going to all make it to heaven. Well, if those people get in heaven, it's no longer heaven. But there are actually preachers and pastors that say that sin is nothing more than an imaginary concept and they have large churches, they have large followings, they, they, they sell millions and millions of books, but these are the kind of preachers that are going to be not allowed in the heaven. They're not going to be allowed in. Well, you know, Benny Hinn said, when you see something like that, it's like, oh, what's the Lord going to respond when it comes my turn? Well, he's getting closer and closer. And some were allowed in, others the Lord said no, they were taken out of the line and they were taken away. And Benny Hen said, finally, he's standing there, and the Lord looks at him, and the organist looks at him, and right before the Lord makes his decision, he woke up. Benny Hen woke up, and he said the Lord spoke to him very, very clearly, and said, I'm watching you. Don't blow it. Mm-mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. My friends, you will soon be launching out, but things are different. Things are different. There's going to be a new anointing. There's going to be a new leadership grace upon your life. And many people will be watching you. This is a lifting up moment for you. And when you step out, you need to make sure that this ship that you have, the ship of your destiny is absolutely ready and any Unresolved, unaddressed issues, deal with it quickly, get it under the blood of Jesus, and set sail with joy and a clean conscience in your heart. Woo! Praise the Lord. Because you don't have much time. When due harvest comes, when your due season comes, it's there. It's there. Praise God. And so it's coming. You must make sure everything is ready. Hallelujah. I know for ministers, that you have to be very careful that you don't lose your devotion with the Lord and replace that with just more and more ministry work. While ministry work is very, very important, it is not more important than your own personal walk with the Lord. That's why those times of self-examination are very important, as Pastor Benny mentioned. Let me say this. I think we need to consider The life of Job from the perspective of what is your life all about? Who is the real you if everything were stripped away? If everything were stripped away from you like it was with Job, who are you really? Is your identity completely tied up in your career? Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm a policeman. And that's just why I bleed blue. I'm, I'm a policeman. That's what I do. I love my uniform. I love my job. But, yes, yeah, see, in heaven, we don't need any policemen. So that eventually will be laid down. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm a fireman. I love the color red. I've loved fire ever since I was a child. And I've ri- I love riding in the big red truck. And I love, I love spraying the water and putting the fire out. That's who I am. That's That's wonderful. We all have our respective career fields, but in heaven also, there's no fires to put out. Mm. These things are very interesting. If everything were stripped away, who are you at the core? You know, I thought about an interesting story that I read a couple of years ago. It was a man that responded to an offer made by one of our airlines here in America. I can't remember if it was American or United Maybe it was United Airlines. Anyhow, the airline said if you, and this was maybe like 20 years ago, if you pay us a lump sum of $250,000, we will give you a lifetime of free rides. And you could ride on our Airline as much as you want if you want to ride every day if you want to ride twice a day If you want to ride all day long on our planes you can do that for the rest of your life And they only opened it up. I think to you like a certain number of people But you did have some people that I guess you know for whatever reason they had the money and they wanted to do it and they signed a contract And they were able to fly on that airline anytime they could walk up to the airport and uh, just, you know, if there was a seat, they didn't have to pay anything because it was already paid for. And they could do that for the rest of their life. And one man who lived in Southern California, he had paid us $250,000 and he flew all over the place. Sometimes every day he would fly all over the place. And if there was a baseball game that was in Boston And the Boston Red Sox were playing. He would fly from L.A. to Boston, and he would tell all of his friends, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to see the Red Sox tonight." And his friends would say, "You're going to watch them on TV?" "Oh no, I'm going to fly there. I I can go anywhere I want." And it was just it became his identity, and he loved it. But the airline they reneged on their contract. They said, we can not honor this contract. We're losing a lot of money. And we didn't realize that the people that, you know, paid to, uh, you know, sign on to do this. We didn't realize that some of them really were going to fly every single day. And some, some of them twice a day. We didn't realize they were actually going to do it. Uh, so we are going to undo this. Well, he, he went to court and said, you can't undo this because I signed it and you can't undo it because this is now my entire identity. In other words, he thought he was like a jet setter and in many ways he was, but he said, if you take this away from me, I'm nobody. If you take this away from me, which I rightly paid for, we agreed with the contract with, he said, I have no identification outside of this. This is my whole life. Mm. Like Job, if everything in your life were stripped away, who are you at the core? Hmm. Well, Pastor Stephen, my children and my grandchildren, they are my life. And yes, they can bring you a lot of joy. They can make, they can make you really, really happy. But what if the children or the grandchildren what if they don't want to serve the Lord? What if they don't want any kind of a relationship with you? What if they turn from God? What if they turn from you? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. They were my life. Well, the Lord is supposed to be your life. Mm, thank you, Jesus. And you, you see that mistake made by quite a few people in the Bible. You see that with Eli, the high priest, who allowed his own sons, Hophni and Phinehas, to do awful things there at the tabernacle and he knew they were immoral. He knew that they were taking bribes. He knew that they were just covetous and, uh oh, they had all kinds of issues and he still allowed them to continue to minister. Oh, and the Lord, the Lord sent a prophet to Eli saying, you never even judged your own house. You didn't, you, you didn't deal with, right with your children simply because they were your own sons. You never would have tolerated anybody else in the priesthood doing that, but you allowed them to do that because they were your own sons. And it was very grievous in the eyes of God. Hophni and Phinehas both died in one day. Mm. You'll notice that the Lord told Abraham, he told Abraham, he said, I know you and I know you'll raise your children Right? mm talking about the covenant children that would come. Isaac, mm it's amazing. God sees those things. And so we have to put the Lord first above everything, above children, above family, above career. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And those are things that must be in order within your heart because the ship is about to sail out. Now, let's go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 26. Thank you, Lord. We're getting real close to the Feast of Pentecost. These are divinely appointed seasons and feasts, and we carry on in the spirit of them by allowing our lives to be examined so that we can be filled with the Spirit of God, with the oil of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 26, last verse in the chapter, verse 32. Then Agrippa said to Festus, This man, referring to Paul, might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan Regiment. So entering a ship of Adramatum, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia and so forth. So they entered a ship. And the journey began, and it was quite a journey. Verse 20. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, that's a forced fast, because there was such violence and turbulence on the seas with the giant waves uh, that nobody wanted to eat, nobody could eat. It was too frightening. So after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship for there stood by me this night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve saying, do not be afraid, Paul, you must be Brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Now, some scholars who I disagree with actually say that Paul never stood before Caesar. I completely disagree with that. I believe that Paul did make it to Rome and that he did stand before Caesar and witness on behalf of the Lord. And even the angel said in verse 24, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. Okay. So that was part of God's plan for Paul. That destiny be fulfilled. That he stand before Caesar and minister. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Acts chapter 28, verse 16. Now, when we came to Rome, see, he's made it. He made it to Rome, and he eventually made it all the way to Caesar. My friends, you're going to make it to, to the fulfillment of your destiny. Just like the ship, the destiny ship of Paul, they sailed out, and it was quite a journey, and it had some unexpected experiences. One was even a shipwreck. That's okay. They got on another ship after that. They just kept on going, kept on moving. But my friends, you are going to make it towards your destination. And it's very, very important that before the ship sails, everything is in order. So allow the Holy Spirit to really work because this Pentecost is going to be a Pentecost unlike any other That you've ever experienced. A new anointing is going to come upon your life, a new empowering and uplifting power of the Holy Spirit. And the wind of the Spirit is going to feel the sails of your ship and out you go, out of the harbor. Pastor Stephen, I like the harbor. Well, who doesn't? There's no waves in the harbor. But (laughs) there's nothing going on in the harbor. You have to go out on the waters. You have to go out upon the sea, and the sea, so often in Scripture, represents multitudes of people. And I believe that it's very, very important that you don't blow it because you are going to touch many people through the assignment that God has for your life. Please, please take it seriously. Please don't uh, esteem lightly the sacred things of God. Oh, Pastor Steve and I, if I mess up, there's grace. Oh yes, there'll be grace all right. But you've only got so much time. You've only got so much time. And perhaps you've already had an abundance of grace just to get you here. Let's do this. Let's believe God's grace to not only forgive and cleanse sin, but let's also believe for the grace of God to empower us to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord so that we do not yield to sin. See, there's two sides of grace. One, the grace of God to wash away any sin, no matter how yucky or bad it is. And the other, which is the grace to keep us from falling in the first place. Hallelujah. So let's allow the grace of God to strengthen us because, my friends, this time. You're going to go all the way, and you're going to get it right. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people all around the world who are hungry for this next move of your Spirit, who are hungry and desirous for the wind of the Spirit to fill their sails. Thank you, Father God, that you are going to visit your people. We thank you, Father God, that it's time for the ships to leave the harbor Thank you, Father God, that what maybe previously could have even seemed a little bit like boredom, it was all preparation for what is very shortly lying ahead. Father, I pray for your people that any last-minute adjustments, any stowing of provisions on a boarded ship, trimming of the sails, whatever it might be, that everything be made just right, that the heart be made right. Thank you, Father in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. I feel let of the Holy Spirit, if there's anybody watching, and I know that there, are, there would be some, that you are dealing with unforgiveness, and somebody or, or some people have really done you wrong, and it was bad, but they, they really hurt you, and you really struggle with that. You struggle with letting it go. I, I want to plead with you today to forgive them, just like Jesus forgave you of all of your sins. God forgave you of all of your sins. I want to plead with you to forgive those people. Let it go. Bless them. Look, God's got a beautiful blessing for you. But to sail onward, you, you can't be looking back. You're going to, have to completely let that stuff go. So right now, just say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I release them. I forgive them. I bless them. And I go on. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And there's a peaceful release, and the grace of God will be there to keep you in a place of calmness where you are soothed in your spirit, and that will not trouble you anymore. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're going to take communion in just a moment, but if you're watching today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, you need to get, the first ship you need to get on is called the gospel ship. You know, back in the 1940s, and then into the early 50s, there in Scotland, there was a revival called the Hebrides Revival. The Hebrides are the islands on the outer extremity uh, of the coast of Scotland. And there was a great revival that took place there. And there were quite a few of the saints who they actually saw, they, they would see it all together, a vision. When the glory, when the the revival was real strong and sinners were repenting and getting saved and bars are shutting down and movie theaters shut down and it's just like all the people wanted to do was pray and get their lives right with God, there were whole groups of people on the island that saw a ship come in on the land, on the land. And they knew that while they were watching it that it was in in the spirit realm. But it was the gospel ship. And it was the ship bringing salvation, and souls were getting on that ship. And uh, across these various islands, the reports would come of those who actually saw, and sometimes whole groups would see it, the ship coming off of the water, coming into the land itself, and just picking people up, people getting on it. Whoo, praise God. If you've never gotten on the gospel ship, the soul-saving ship, do it right now. Pray this out loud right now. Pray it after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. Jesus, please wash all of my sins away. Save me right now. Wash me with your precious blood. Jesus, I give my life to you. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I want to come through that gate into the city of heaven on that day. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. And the Lord has heard your prayer, and he has saved you from your sins. Now serve him with all of your heart, and live for him with all of your strength. Let's take Holy Communion together today. Please grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice, and let's pray over it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We consecrate it and set this apart as holy through this special prayer. We thank you, Father. This is the flesh of Jesus, and this is the blood of Jesus. Oh, God, we ask that as we receive the body of Christ that you get us ready to sail. Get us ready to be filled with the new wine of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, O God. Let any issues be settled, be ironed out. Let us be right between you and any, any other person. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name, we agree and say, Amen. Let's receive the flesh of the Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Pour it out for us. Thank you, O God. We thank you for 1 John chapter 1. Verse 9, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we grab a hold of that verse, and we believe it. We thank you for sins forgiven, everything washed away, everything right with you. Thank you, O God, for your mighty empowerment of your spirit. We thank you for the new anointing, and we thank you for time to prepare and get ready. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Jesus. Woo. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hmm. I don't make any major changes in my life. Me and Pastor Kelly are just that way. We do things consistently unless the Lord comes in and says, do this, then we'll do that certain thing. And I suggest the same for you. But I would add that some of you are going to have Changes where the Lord will come and say it's time and there will be some that will be called to go as missionaries to foreign lands and you'll you'll be in a place God he'll set everything up where you can go Uh, he God look you may think you're so tied up that you could never go not God could never send you but God he knows how to untangle anything, and he could untangle you, he could get all your debts paid off, he could help you with all of that, and he could just tie everything up, help you sell your house, whatever you need to do, and the next thing you know, you're rolling. Woo, praise God. And that will come to some who are husbands and wives. There will come calls to to just flow with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that when St. Francis, the mighty apostle, back in the 1100s to 12th century, When he sent out his 12 disciples, he tried to emulate Jesus. When he sent out his 12, after he had trained them and taught them the word and released his anointing upon their lives, when he was ready to send them out, he held a meeting and called them all together. (laughs) They didn't didn't know what the meeting was about. They knew it was something special. He called them all together, and he he had them all stand around him in a circle. He got in the middle, and they all stood around him, all 12. And he said, now, Each of you, all of you, start spinning. Stand stand right where you're at, but just start spinning in a circle. Start spinning around, spinning around. And don't stop spinning until you can't stand up anymore. Just keep going. And, you know, there were a couple that after two minutes, they were so dizzy, they collapsed. And he said, wherever you fall, don't move. And they're all spinning, spinning. There was one, history says, that it it took him longer. Maybe it took him five minutes until he got so dizzy, he fell down also. When they had all fallen on the ground, all 12 of them, he said to them, now take note of which direction your head is pointing towards, not your feet. Your head, whatever direction your head is pointing towards, get up and go. I send you now out as apostles. <laughs> and the, the, the amazing thing is that all 12, they were all pointing in different directions. And they all begin to go out. They begin to evangelize. They begin to plant churches. And they begin to minister to the heathens in certain areas that they had gone to. Praise God. Look, that's an apostolic anointing. The, the anointing of the apostolic is not only to go, it's an empowerment that eventually leads to sending others out with an authority to go as well. Praise God. That call will come to some. Be ready. This is going to be a Pentecost unlike any other that you have ever experienced. Be praying, prepare your heart, and also trust the Lord for a seed to sow. He will give seed to the sower so that we can have provision to review various networks, and that we can buy quality airtime and continue to expand the good message of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the the avenue, the vehicle of television. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing with us. Thank you for praying for us. And thank you for being here today. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, stay blessed and get your ship ready to sail. Bye-bye.